When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Alex here. Today is Saturday, March 20th. I hope you're enjoying your weekend so far. I know things are much more relaxed now, especially here in Miami where I guess people think that COVID never really even existed. But still be careful out there. You know, wear your mask, social distance, all that stuff. In this episode, we're going to talk about my latest trade on Nike and how you can make easy money on earnings reports. Stay tuned. So I bought my I bought the contracts on Monday at 10 a.m. Now there are two events this past week for Nike. First of all, the Fed they did their uh, announcements and the Fed Chair Powell spoke as well. Now the Fed affects everybody, everybody in the market, but Nike also had their own earnings on Thursday. So that's two events, actually three events that would have impacted Nike last week. Now, remember, we're primarily trading options on spreads and events, right? So when volatility is very ripe, that's when we want to trade. And that happens typically around events like announcements, but also earnings reports. Now, factors to consider last week when I was playing Nike earnings were that Nike had been trading in a range, topping in at 146, 147-ish and a low at a previous resistance and support at around 131. It was leading the market on Monday with some long bullish candles, right? Some really long bullish candles, which uh, shows enthusiasm, but with enthusiasm also comes exhaustion. Earlier in the week also, there's a lot more emotions, right? There's an over-enthusiasm or an overly pessimistic attitude Early in the mornings, uh, early in the early in the week, relative to underlying conditions. So, for example, the week that the market sold off because of interest rates, which was about a couple weeks ago, it actually started at an all-time high on Monday and Tuesday, right? So, typically, right, you'll see that uh, exuberance early in the week, coming off of the weekend, and then you'll see it kind of settle into its underlying trend. Now, it could still be an uptrend. And you'll see it settle back into an uptrend, but uh, typically you're going to see that again, over exuberance and over pessimistic. The market had opened up and was selling off, right? It, was, it wasn't selling off, but it was weaker during the morning, right? It didn't follow that same exuberance. And Nike took off like a rocket with, again, long green candles. The longer the candles, the stronger the emotion. Now, the history of Nike is also important, which I took a look at. Nike doesn't typically run up into earnings. By I say run up, I mean like rally or get higher in prices. Nike doesn't typically run up into earnings. So that was particularly interesting to me. 
And also, Nike doesn't move very quickly. So the fact that Nike was already up like 2% that early in the morning was something that was very uncharacteristic for the stock. Now, the options chain, as I was looking at it, the market was pricing a 5 to 6% move on those March 19th options, those weekly options. Now, a 5% move is, is a pretty big move, especially for someone like Nike that doesn't typically move 5% that quickly. Now, at the time, the price was about 143 right? And if you take that 5 to 6% move, that shows an increase in about $8. So that would put the call side or the high side that's being anticipated by the market at 151 Now, the strike spreads were about $2.50, right, which amounts to $250 separated each contract. So I would need more than 10% on this trade. Now, my criteria changes depending on the, the further away from the money, the contract in, and also the time to maturity. The fact that it was maturing or expiring at the end of this week I don't need as much percentage on the trade, but the fact that the risk is 250, I still need to be well above 10%. Now, um, since the market had priced in 151, the closest strike that I could find beyond that 151 was one was a 152.50 call option. So I waited until about 10 a.m. Right around, like, I'd say about 9.45 a.m., I would put the order in, and I got filled at about 10 a.m., but I waited to see how the stock moved for the first 15 minutes, 15, 30 minutes. If the market already priced in a 5% move, and the stock was already up 2%, like I said, the stock doesn't historically move up into earnings, right? So we notice those two things are very uncharacteristic. That said to me, in that instance, that there was an odd enthusiasm for that particular stock when the rest of the market was showing weakness, right? And my thought was that this movement, given the market's weak and there's no support behind um, the movement from the broader market, that this would lead to an exhaustion. Now, the order executed at about $0.34 cents for a 250 spread, which is 14%. So that fits my criteria, right? It's above 10%. Uh, it's almost at 15% at a 250 risk. That's fine. So each contract that I traded or that I sold would give me uh, 34%, $34 in credit for every $250 that I risk. And that's a 14% return on every $250, right? So as many contracts that I decided to buy, I would get 14% back if I were to win on the trade. Now, later in the week, after Monday when I executed it, later in the week, Nike ran up just off its 52-week high. So I was losing on the trade earlier in the week. But, like I said, that enthusiasm is going to dry up. So Nike actually got rejected from those near 52-week highs, so about its 146 that it hit. It got rejected immediately and hung or bounced between 145 and about, I believe, about 143 for a couple, for, uh, I believe, two days. It bounced between that range up until Nike earnings. But again, it was already up 2 or 3% when it was there. The market was only pricing in 5%. So as we found out Thursday, Nike beat earnings, right? Nike beat earnings per share, the earnings per share, but they got clobbered because 
investors saw the impact of the supply chain on domestic business as negative underlying uh, negative underlying factor. Now, they use a few other metrics as well to determine whether or not they're going to buy or sell the stock, but all the things that they decided um, would hinder Nike in the future and limit its growth led to the stock selling that selling off about 2 to 3% on the other side, right? Dropping down to about 138. Now, could I have predicted the earnings or the results? Absolutely not. The only people who know are the insiders. But on a technical basis, we saw some uncharacteristic movements in price leading up to earnings. I divergence with the general market and the presence of buyers made the stock perfect for unloading by larger investors. Now, what that means is the fact that the market sold off and Nike actually sold off that same day on Wednesday, right? Nike gapped down and within one candle shot straight back up and fill up that gap, right? It shot straight back up to previous close and hung around that price when the market, the rest of the market stayed down, right? That showed that there was a bid or there were people willing to buy the stock at those elevated prices. So that gives a perfect market for anyone who wants to sell the stock. So that was confirmed on Wednesday, the day before the, the day before earnings. All those things just created a perfect storm for the stock to come down. Now, again, I can't predict the future. These are just my my analysis, the way that I was looking at it, and the things that were lining up seemed like the perfect storm for Nike to hold within that range or fall off of those highs. Now, some key takeaways. Look at the previous history of price action for whatever stock is going into earnings before and after earnings. And if you don't want to play earnings, you can look just looking at events. So the bank stocks. How do bank stocks move before a Fed speech and after a Fed speech? How do tech stocks move before uh, some major tech event and after a major tech event? Before investor day, after investor days. You can look all this stuff up on Google. Go to the date on Thinkorswim or TD Ameritrade or Yahoo. Go to the date and look what happened. Does it normally run up? Does it normally continue after in uh, in the results? So if it sold off, does it normally sell off for a couple of days? If it ran up, does it normally run up for a couple of days? Or does it change completely after the event? Does the stock move quickly when there are not events? So something like Tesla can move 5 to 10% on no news. Or something like AT&T really doesn't move unless there is news. You want to identify support and resistance areas as well as price direction. Where was the trend moving? Was it moving towards a level of support? Was it moving towards the level of resistance? Identify the magnitude of price movement that the market maker is pricing in. Remember, the market maker's job is to protect against them losing money. Right, Their job is to protect against them losing money, which, in effect, is them protecting against us making too much money. So they're going to tell you in their options pricing how far they're pricing out the price movement, and you can use that to your advantage with spreads. Now, the next thing, and the very, very important is, does the return fit your criteria for risk? Now, super high returns on credit spreads should be sketchy to you because that means you're either too close to the money or there's crazy volatility coming, right? 
10% on $100 is, is pretty nice, depending on the time frame, right? Because that's also important. The shorter the time frame of credit spreads, the better, because you want it to expire so you can get the full amount of the credit. Or you want it to get just low enough that you can buy it back and still keep a healthy profit. So 10% on $100 is nice if you're on the border of the pricing, so you're beyond what the market maker is pricing in. 15 to 20% on $250 of leverage is also very good because you know that's a heavy amount of leverage, but if you can get further enough away from the money, that's a good return. And then you have leverages of $500 and $1,000. And again, you have to choose your level of tolerance. I personally, if I'm going $500 or $1,000, I want to get 20%, right? Because that's a lot of leverage. I need to make sure that the return is worth it to me. Now, general conditions are also a very key takeaway as well. Yes, stocks can move individually sometimes, but again, the fact that Nike was moving like that when general conditions did not favor the upside and Nike kept trying to push and hold said to me that an event could potentially lead to weakness in the stock price, right? So you got to see what's going on with the market and to find out, okay, is this company truly exempt from what's happening right now or are they supposed to be affected by this as well? Now, all these things can be perfect and you can still lose, right? All these things that I've talked about so you can line it up perfectly. I could have lost come Friday morning and Nike could have shot up to, you know, $160, $170. I would have lost everything. But that's the game. All, my, all I'm responsible for is doing the best that I can do. And that means to determine my appropriate risk and reward ratio and to make sure that I'm lining as many things up in my favor as possible to increase the probability of me winning. Again, credit spreads are a higher probability of winning if you set it up correctly. Now, my Apple, in full transparency here, my Apple naked options this week clapped me. So getting this play on Nike help lessen the blows of those option play of those naked options and allow me to balance out my week in terms of profit and loss a little bit better. But I did finish in the red, unfortunately. But again, this big Nike win um, allowed me to level out my profit and loss for this week. Next week will be much better. The events will be less heavy, but there are still three events next week. So we're going to get ready for this one and we're going to crush it. Credit spreads are a great way to play in volatility and earn some easy money. Now, easy money is in air quotes, right? Easy money, because there's no such thing as easy money. But again, if you can line the odds up in your favor as best as possible, you do your due diligence. Spreads can give you a much higher probability of winning when you do them well as compared to naked options. So, Thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'll see you again soon. This has been your host, Alex Cunningham, saying be well. And remember, as you begin searching for answers to life's challenges, don't seek security. Seek adventure.